Tim Brando, Fox Sports National commentator, joining us right now on the T-Mobile special guest line. Tim, good morning. David, Patrick, good to be with both of you. Jake was working to open the hatch, right? There it was. That's what he was doing. And he made it it happen. We're we're grateful (laughs) to have you back on the show, Tim. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Curious with the news of the SEC, how much that surprised you? Because it seemed like the ACC did the 10 plus 1 so they could play a bunch of in-state rivalry games, but the SEC didn't do it. And uh, curious what you thought of that and, and if you've heard anything about where the Big 12's going. No, well, to be honest with you, Bob Bowlesby, yesterday I thought I saw him uh, on my friend Paul Feinbaum's show, and he was on right before uh, Sankey. And I thought he tipped his hand a little bit. We'll see. Uh, at first, earlier in the week, I thought that uh, the Big 12 probably had everything in play, that they might um, that they might try to get 12 games in. If you noticed Oklahoma, Joe Costiglione, their athletic director, I think is one of the best in the business, uh, and Lincoln Riley, who I think through the pandemic era has been one of the coaches that has really shined brightly in terms of trying to be a leader, you know, the, looking at legitimately looking at a spring option and investigating the possibilities of it and all kinds of other things. But uh, I think to some extent with the moves made by the, 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 the ACC on Wednesday and then uh, yesterday uh, the SEC doing what they're doing, uh, I, I don't know that the Big 12 – uh, has an option other than uh, playing their their round robin schedule that they always play, and then a limited number of non conferences uh, that, that they want to play that their teams want to play in what would be a truncated season. Uh, but let's let's just for argument's sake say that they did try to play all twelve games. Well, the whole month of September, really in terms of big time power conference football, would be theirs for the taking if they so chose. I mean, um, you know, we're talking about three weeks later for the SEC, a couple of weeks later uh, for the Big Ten and um, and the ACC. Uh, not just week zero, but week one, week two, week three are, are, are open and uh, an opportunity to, to impress. So, listen, I know that's not a priority. <laughs> it shouldn't be a priority. Uh, the health and safety and well-being of the – of the student-athlete, as we like to be told uh, so often by so many that are in positions of power in college football is what comes first. But the thing that we notice, and if you haven't noticed it, uh, as <laughs> then I think you've been asleep at the wheel, is um, we are lacking universal leadership in a very big way. All this collegiality that we were told, and I, listen, I've talked to commissioners and athletic directors for the last four and a half months, and every one of them said, gosh, Tim, the communication and transparency – and collegiality has never been better. We're zooming with one another. We're doing this. In the end, they all do what? Um, they all try to outsmart one another, uh, and 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 see how much better their optics look than the other guy's optics. The decision by the ACC to play the additional game outside of their ten conference games, and really the the coup of getting Notre Dame. That was a coup. Okay. Because the Irish in 158 years of football have never played for a conference championship. They were only going to get to play six games with the decisions made by the Big Ten and the Pac-12, taking out you know virtually half of their schedule. And Notre Dame now sharing its revenue from NBC with the ACC membership and vice versa. Boy, oh boy, 
to have the opportunity to keep those games with Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Clemson, South Carolina, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. These are bus ride games, fellas. These are bus ride games. These, these are games that are really easily played. And what happens here is the SEC says, oh, we're, this, this is an opportunity for us to set, a, set that aside. We don't necessarily need that. We will play just conference games and forget those meaningful games. I'm telling you, there are athletic directors within the Southeastern Conference today that are not happy about losing those rivalry games in the neighboring conference. But the presidents of the institutions, in this case, I believe, drove the decision-making process. And they wanted to make it appear as though, you know what, and look, that's fine. With They may be right. They may absolutely be right. Let's allow the student body to come back on campus and intermingle with our players so that if there is a spike, it happens before we play. And we're, that, that's, that's telling the country that we really do care about the optics and about the, the, um, the circumstances of health and well-being and safety for our student-athletes. I, I get that. Okay, but in the end, was it that much different than starting a week earlier and keeping those games in play? I don't think so. So, again, I just think that this is another indication of why we need a czar for college football. We need someone that will help these leaders, though I believe are well-intentioned, these commissioners that are well-intentioned, to do what's right and to do it in a unified manner. And um, Bowlesby said yesterday, well, it's we, aspirationally, we never really wanted to do anything uh, as a group. Really? Why wouldn't it be your aspiration? Why wouldn't it be in the best interest of college football for you to send out the same message? That's the problem with college football. And um, it's a shame. It really is. But uh, anyone that thinks that college football doesn't need a czar now, after what we've witnessed these last few weeks, they're asleep at the wheel. College football needs a major overhaul in the way that it conducts its business. Uh, and it's not the leaders necessarily, but it is the dysfunction of the infrastructure of the sport that they are managing that's in need of change, massive change. So what is it? Is it about giving up power? Is that the issue? <laughs> well, I, would, you, would you say that the egos of those involved at these, at these schools that, are, that, are, that, that the commissioners serve Listen, they serve at the, at the pleasure of the presidents of the universities, do they not? Right. Those are the people they answer to. And, yeah, I, I don't think when you're talking about that kind of power, then I think, yeah, check your egos in at the front desk, and let's have someone with purview, okay, that's looking out for the best interest of the totality of the sport, not just your own constituencies. You know, when the ACC did what they did, they clearly opened the door for the Southeastern Conference to say, okay, well, unlike what the Big Ten did uh, and unlike what the Pac-12 did, we're going we're gonna to reach out and see if we can keep some unity here because of these longstanding rivalries. The currency of college football is what? It's tradition. It's history. And those games, Louisville, Kentucky, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, um, Clemson, South Carolina, those games mean a lot. I mean, they mean a lot to their to their to their their fans and to the history of of the fan bases of those schools for well over a century, and 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 
it would have been so easy for the SEC to say, okay, we're starting September 19th, and we'll allow for those games to be played. Uh, down here in Louisiana, where I live, the Texas LSU game could have stayed in play. That's another, well, it was a quick charter flight or a bus ride from Austin to, to Baton Rouge. Um, you know, that's, that's clearly what it is. What I'm saying to you is, you know, it didn't take a pandemic for me to know that this was a problem. But this pandemic, I think, has made it clear to everyone what I've been talking about for 15 years. We need, we need someone with purview, somebody to not strip power from the commissioners. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about giving consultation and helping these guys coordinate the ideas of these highly intelligent, well-intentioned men and women. Okay? They need some of that. And... Um, and it allows for the NCAA to stick its nose in where it doesn't belong. Now, you're going to be hearing all, all week now about the Board of Governors meeting uh, next week when uh, they'll decide on whether the non-revenue producing sports will have their fall championships. And like, like this, is, this is going to be some impact. It, it, college football has not, been, <laughs> has not been a part of the NCAA's power base since 1984, and yet some of its leaders – Mostly presidents will say, well, you know, let's, let's, let's see how this looks from an optics standpoint. Uh, Mark Emmert uh, has done nothing as a leader of the NCAA to help, from a substantive standpoint, anything that's taken place in college football. But when it's about imagery or it's about, hey, look at me, here's what I'm doing, you know, he'll take advantage of that. Like yesterday, coming out and saying what he did with regard to the um, uh, the allowance that the NCAA will make for players to take their names off the back of their jerseys and write something about social justice, like that's okay. Really? You really think that the presidents of the schools, the commissioners of the leagues, and more importantly, the programs of public universities, some private but mostly public, are going to be are going to be allowing necessarily these types of things to happen? And if they do, that's their choice. It's not the NCAA's. It doesn't fall into his category. But he does this, and it enables fans to believe that the NCAA actually has power. It hasn't. It hasn't had power since 1984. Look it up, Supreme Court lawsuit, universities of Georgia and Oklahoma. The NCAA has not had any governance other than infractions enforcement. They've done an awful job of that. And, oh, by the way, sanctioning bowl games that no one cares about. That's all they do. So why should they even be a factor? So America does not know who's it. America doesn't know who's in charge of college football, because in terms of the sport nationally, no one is. It's painfully obvious no one is. So, do you think they're actually going to be playing these ten game seasons? Or are they setting up a schedule that is just isn't going to be possible to execute in the fall or the winter, or possibly even the spring? And if they if they've got to push it back, is there? Anyone, could the commissioners get together and push the playoff back two months, put it after the Super Bowl so they have a little more time to finish this 10-game season, if, if that's even possible? I think anything is possible, and everything's on the table. Uh, as it relates to whether the games are going to be played, I, listen, in my view, I mean, I may not be a rocket scientist, but I don't believe that John Swafford, who has been a great commissioner for a long time in the ACC and is in his final year, would have worked so diligently with Jack Swarbrick at Notre Dame for them to do something as historic as they did. I, I thought that was an unbelievable 
I mean, really historic story this week, what, what they were able to pull off. Uh, and it may actually change the face and complexion of, of uh, college football down the road. I, I, for one, believe Notre Dame, maybe not their fans, but certainly their players and their institution will see the light if they do get to play this, this schedule in the uh, ACC. Because if they go back to their normal eight-game schedule in coming years, Notre Dame could hold on to their games with Stanford and USC and Navy and, and maybe Michigan or Michigan State uh, with an eight and four lineup that they have in that conference in the future. So I don't know that they go to that kind of trouble because that's they're, they're jumping through hoops to make that happen. Uh, and there was a lot of give and take between both. So I think the intention is to play very much so. Um, I know a lot of fans and particularly some in the media are like, what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about it because if they don't play, college football's losses from a physical standpoint will be so catastrophic that about 30% of Division One college football will be out of business. Out of business. The loss of the NCAA tournament last year, a loss of a complete college football season this year. And if you're a group of five or FCS school right now, you're scurrying just to find out how much money – you can not lose. You know you're going to lose, but how, how can we find a way to lose less? That's what they're doing right now. Okay, they've been rendered. They've been kicked to the curb. The MAC, Conference USA, Mountain West, um, Sunbelt, all. They've all been kicked to the curb. And, um, you know, it may be in their best interest to go to the spring just to make sure that they uh, lose less money. And, and, and that's unfortunate but it's these schools that are the power five structure that have put in place the college football playoff where they get a certain percentage of money and these money games that are out there. Does anyone, who's, who's thinking about them? And again, college football does not have universal leadership. If we had a czar or commissioner or consultant to these commissioners, someone could be looking out for the totality of the sport. And, and it's not there right now. I will tell you, I think in some form we'll have college football. My opinion, we will have a college football season. Obviously, it's not going to be scheduled the same. Obviously, it's not going to look or maybe even sound the same to some extent. But um, granted, we've got more concerns than just whether football is played. But if you're looking at it from a sports standpoint, unlike the NFL, unlike the MLB, unlike the NBA, there is no, there's no war chest to support the future of college football if it's or college athletics for that matter. Okay, Title IX sports, non-revenue producing sports at the major college level, and uh, obviously, as I mentioned, those that fall into the category of Group of Five or FCS. If college football is not played, it will be the death nail to a lot of those schools. Tim, we appreciate a few minutes and all those opinions. Thanks for coming on and sharing. You bet. Anytime, fellas. Tim Brando, Fox Sports National Commentator. Join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.